We're going to continue talking about Samson today. Uh, we started talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago, um, and we've just been kind of working our way through a little bit of his story. I haven't hit every piece of it. Um, some parts of it are really well known. Some parts of it are not really well known. Um, and, and so we've just been kind of going through the Bible, taking a look at, at a little bit of his story, a little bit of some of the lessons we can, we can grab um, from his life and his story. And, and I, I just want to remind you again, as we go through uh, this, sometimes it's really hard um, we think of all of these people in the Bible kind of as almost like superhuman, you know, like you get so used to hearing these amazing things that God did in their lives and through their lives. And we kind of don't really think of them as real people. Um, and, and a lot of times, because if you grew up in the church, if you know the end of the story, it's really easy to read into the story that they knew the end of it. You know, like they understood everything that was supposed to happen. They understood every piece of what was supposed to go, go on. And honestly, you just don't really see that in the Bible, particularly with Samson. There might not be a better example in the Bible of somebody who did not know what was coming than Samson. I mean, this, this is a story um, that, that is in there. And again, when I say story, just so we're on the same page, I'm not talking story like, you know, Batman and Robin. I'm talking story like you tell a story that actually happened, okay? Just so there's no confusion. But I want to encourage you as we're going through, um, as we're going through this to remember that Samson is a real person. And one of the things that I hope you've gotten out of this, if you've been here the whole time, and if not, just you're sitting here today and you're listening for it, one of the things that I hope that you understand is if, if God can use Samson, he can use me because there may not be a more flawed individual that is considered a man of God in the Bible than Samson like it, there just might not be one that's more that way we talked about that last week a little bit we kind of picked up his story with the fact that he made very emotional decisions that he was one of those guys that just kind of responded in emotion and it led him into all kinds of trouble and then last week we talked about how even though God's spirit was upon him he did some amazing things but there was so much compromise in his life right and and again I want you to hear if you missed it the last couple of weeks that God's anointing does not necessarily give you his approval, right? Like you can be anointed to work for God and not have everything figured out and that everything you do isn't okay, right? Like that, that's just a reality of scripture. Samson did a ton of stuff that God was not cool with, right? We talked about that last week. Samson went 20 miles to visit a prostitute, right? Um, he had been leading the nation, of, or at least this section of the nation of Israel. It wasn't even a nation then, this, these tribes. Um, he'd been leading them for 20 years. He, and, and he goes and he, he sleeps with a prostitute. On the way out, he does one of the greatest feats of strength known to man, right? He rips some city gates right out of the wall, and he marches up the hill with them, right? Like it says, God's spirit came upon him. But I, I want you to see something as we're going. We're going to be in Judges chapter 16. That part of the story is kind of the end of 15 and then into 16. Um, you, you, you see that that happens. And, and so Samson has just done this thing where he's been leading the nation of Israel. He, you know, his first wife that he had way back at the beginning of his story was a Philistine woman. It was a woman he was not supposed to be with. Um, uh, and, and, uh, but he did it anyway. It led to all kinds of crazy things happening. Um, and then we see he visits a prostitute. Um, and then you can see again, um, sometime later, Judges chapter 16, verse four, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. 
the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. To the best of my ability to convert, that's roughly 28 pounds of silver, which depending on your exchange rate, of silver and its purity would be between $5,700 and $9,000. That was the price of betraying Samson, right? This was another lady that he was not supposed to be with. Um, this was one of those, those women. She was a Philistine. Samson wasn't supposed to be there. And again, we see more than anything, um, we see Samson had been promised by God, right, uh, or to God, by his parents to live as a Nazarite would. Okay, his parents made the Nazarite vow in his name while he was still in the womb. But it was never really some, something that Samson grabbed a hold of himself and lived out. He lived out parts of it. You know, he didn't cut out his, he didn't cut his hair. He didn't, but, but he clearly does other things that break the Nazarite vow over and over and over again. His parents made a vow for him that he never really grabbed onto him himself. Can I tell you as a parent, that's a scary thing, right? As a parent, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, um, like what do you want more than anything for your kids? It's for them to grab on to Jesus and hold on with both hands. And it had to be so heartbreaking for his parents to watch Samson like just struggle so much through his life, to see the greatest highs of the highs and the lowest of the lows when he wasn't walking for God. It must have been such a struggle. But we see, we see that. So we say in verse six, so Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. This happens three times. He lies to her three times. All three times, she tries to do exactly what he says will make him weak. Samson is either so Twitter-pated he can't see what's actually happening. Samson just really isn't that smart, right? Maybe you'd go so far as to say he, he might have been the dumbest man alive. Or Samson just can't figure out that there's a real danger here. And I just, I want you to hear today, not, I don't want to make this all about Delilah. I don't want to make this about Samson because it's not. It's about Samson right here. He started down this road. He started down this road in the last chapter. We see him kind of struggle a little bit um, as, as, he, as he goes to a prostitute after 20 years of having things figured out. And I just want to talk about how real that is, right? Like, I think every one of us has had something in our lives. Every one of us has had something crop up where we got to a point in our life and we didn't know exactly how we got there, right? Like we had made decision after decision after decision and it didn't start with this big, horrible thing at the end, but we made one compromise at the beginning and we just slowly did it. We talked about that last week, right? Samson had all this time to turn around. 
but he just kept going. And now we see Samson with Delilah. And this one decision that he made in the last chapter kind of spiraled again. And just like, just like with his first wife, one of the things that you, um, you, you see here is that nagging really works with Samson. It's a really effective manipulation tool for him. I'm not saying this as advice for you women, um, that you should nag your husband until you get your way, but I'm saying it really worked well for the ladies in Samson's life. And I think the reason it worked so well is because Samson was pretty unwilling to communicate with them. You see it over and over again. Verse 15, I love the way the NLT says this. Um, it says something very similar in every, every, every uh, translation that there is. Then Delilah pouted. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if that big bottom lip went out, if the eyes welled with tears. I don't know if he got a little bit. I know he didn't get the silent treatment, actually, because we're going to read more about that in a second. Then Delilah pouted, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. Hear it. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. <laughs> that apparently needed to go in the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit just so we could get a look at how incessant and horrible this was. Just in case you missed it, here we are. And what does he do? Rather than talk to her, rather than communicate, he just word vomits. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut. It's really, to this point, the only part of the Nazarene vow he's kept, that his hair hasn't been cut. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. For just a moment, for this, this moment, Samson remembers who he's supposed to be. He remembers at this moment that he is stronger than everyone else and that it's not his own strength that is dependent on God. For this one moment, he remembers the direction his life was supposed to be going in. but he did nothing. Verse 18, Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But we're about to read what may be the saddest verse in the entire Bible. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. 
can I tell you honestly, I think this is the greatest evidence in scripture of the fact that Samson never really had his own relationship with God. He, he knew about God. He knew who God was. He knew what God could do for him. But when God's spirit was no longer in his life, he didn't even recognize the lack. He didn't even know it was gone. I think Samson knew all about God. He'd been taught all about God. He'd seen what God could do, but he bragged about his own strength. He knew all of the things God could provide, but he didn't really know him. Otherwise, I think he would have known when God's spirit wasn't there. And can I tell you in this place today, it is not enough to know about God. It is not enough to just read the Bible. It's not enough to just talk to God like he's a genie and ask him to do whatever you want him to do. We need to be people that know God, that know him. You can come to know our God. The Bible talks about that over and over in the New Testament, how he is knowable. Samson did not know that the Spirit of God had left him. 21. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in prison. I think we need to give that moment weight. You need to let it resonate in your heart how far he had fallen, right? From leader of his part of the nation of God, anointed by God, doing miraculous things in the name and through the power of God to being physically blinded and set to work as a donkey. That was a donkey's job to turn the spindle and grind the grain. Let it sink in. Let it resonate. If this were the end of the story, this would be tragic. I want you to hear today that we will all fail. We will all mess up. Every single one of us in this place will not live up to God's standard every single day of our life for the rest of our life. We're going to struggle. We're going we're gonna to have days where it's, we've fallen short, um, and, and we just know it. And can I, can I just tell you that this point is where we have to make a decision. I don't think, I hope that none of us are ever going to have to deal with having our eyes physically gouged out of our head. But there's going to be points where we hit rock bottom. There's going to be points where we might not see a way out. There's going to be points where we're struggling. There's going to be points where we're in despair. And we have a decision to make. 
at that moment. Lay down and die. Or go back after God. We have to fight that battle. We understand that perfection is not attainable while we're on this earth. We can live for God with our whole heart. We can do our best. I believe we can be more like him every day, but perfection this side of heaven is not an attainable goal. We strive to be like Jesus, knowing that we won't always hit that mark. So when we fail, what are we going to do? Give up? Or dust ourselves off and keep going after God? But before long, verse 22, his hair began to grow back. I need you to hear this. When you read commentaries on this, when you read about really, you know, people that have studied scripture, when they do this, this is not so much a comment about his hair as his heart. Right? Like his hair begins to grow back, but there is nothing magical about his hair. I could grow out my hair as long as I wanted, braid it into seven braids, and not be able to pull the city gates out of a wall and drag them up a hill. Right? It requires God. It requires God. His hair began to grow back. That part of his vow began to be restored. Verse 23, the Philistine rulers held a great festival offering sacrifices and praising their God, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. This is what happened in those days. It wasn't just a battle of armies. It was a battle of gods in their mind. And in their mind, their God was stronger than Samson's God. In their mind, their God had defeated Samson's God and held all the power. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. Verse 24, when the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded. That's usually not a good recipe for the best decisions in our lives, right? Um, Bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Now he's a jester. They want to see their blind enemy helpless and just take great delight in his weakness. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there. Hear that. All the leadership of the enemy was in this place. There were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. If there's 3,000 men and women on the roof, how many people are in the building? We don't really know. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. And can I tell you, I have looked through the story of Samson and I can see God, I can see Samson ask God for things. Like you see him, like he whines to God and asks God for water because he's thirsty, right? You can see him speak to Jesus, but these specific words, and then he prayed to God, this is the first time I see him in his story. When you go back to the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and look at it, it's, it's unique. 
This time he goes to God. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistine for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. I want to read to you what one commentator says about this, and I'm going to just read it verbatim, so bear with me, because I, I want you to hear this. His penitent and prayerful spirit seems to clearly indicate that this meditated act was not that of vindictive suicide. Hear it. He's not a suicide bomber. And that he regarded himself as putting forth his strength in his capacity of a public magistrate. He must be considered, in fact, as dying for his country's cause. His death was not designed or sought, except as it might be the inevitable consequence of his great effort. I view this like a soldier who throws himself on a grenade to protect his fellow soldiers, or one who jumps in front of a friend to take a bullet. Samson made a decision of war. You need to hear it. This isn't about suicide. This is about a man defending his country. There's a distinct difference. There is an important difference. Samson knew there was no way out for him. So he jumped on the grenade for his countrymen. It's the first time we really see any sort of repentance from Samson. It's the first time we really see any sort of modesty from Samson. It's the first time we really see any sort of kind of quiet talking with God with Samson. And I want you to hear it today. I'd like you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read one more portion of scripture. This is not the last mention of Samson in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. If you're familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, a lot of us, we, we went through this book last year, this book of the Bible, um, and, and it's a letter that a lot of us aren't super familiar with for whatever reason. Like we, we just don't spend a lot of time in Hebrews a lot of days. Um, but if there's one thing about Hebrews we know, um, if there's one portion of Hebrews that we've maybe heard of, it's usually Hebrews 11, which is dubbed the Hall of Faith. Okay, um, and, and we kind of see it right there. It's in the New Testament if you're struggling to find it. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at verse 32. And Paul, I believe, is writing Hebrews. We don't know 100% who wrote this letter, but I believe it's Paul um, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he writes, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. 
This tells me that Samson did not die faithless. Samson's life is a tragic story. Honestly, I mean, if you read it and you look at it, it's tragic. You look at it and you, you, it, he's one of, one of those examples in, in the Bible where you can look at it and say, what might have been? If he had just really served God his whole life, what would God have been able to do through him? Like what, what could have been? But he did not die faithless, but faithful. I believe that their weakness was turned to strength. I believe that was very specifically written about Samson. At the end of his life, he finally did what he should have done his whole life. He bowed knee to God and gave him everything he had. Can I tell you in this place, it is not too late. It's not too late. If you're in here and you're breathing and you're not satisfied with the direction your life is going right now because you have not given your whole heart to Jesus, it is not too late. You haven't somehow messed up so bad that God can't forgive you. You haven't somehow made it so you're irredeemable. Look at the story of Samson. It's not too late for an almighty God to restore you to health and wholeness, to right relationship with him. It's not too late because we're here. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to let the message of Samson resonate in your life. I don't want to be one of those what might have been stories. I don't want to be one. I want to follow God with my whole heart as long as I can. I know along the way I'm going to mess up sometimes. Just like you. And in those moments, it's time to bow knee to Jesus and say, here I am again. Take my heart. I'm sorry. This story is so impactful, not because of Samson's great strength, but because of his great brokenness. If this story was only about Samson ripping gates off the wall and pushing down buildings and killing a thousand people with a donkey jawbone... If you don't know why that's funny, you have to listen to the last two sermons. If it was just about those great successes, he would hardly be relatable. But in this story, in his life, we see so much triumph and brokenness hand in hand. And I think that's what makes him such a relatable person in the Bible. I've never ripped a lion's face in half. Probably never will. Never ripped city gates out of the wall. I've ripped doors out of there, but not with my bare hands. I need tools 
to get a few nails out of a jam, much less doors out of a stone wall. It's not Samson's great successes that I relate to. It's the fact that he was human and made mistakes and that God was never done with him. So I just want to encourage you, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, let's talk. If you're in here and you feel like you have somehow messed up too bad for God to forgive, let's talk. If you're in here and you need Jesus to do a miracle in your life, let's talk. Let's pray. Let's go to the one who can make a difference. Before I pray, I just want to let you know, we're about to go into the, into the kitchen or into the gym. It's right across the foyer if you don't know. Everybody is welcome to stay for the meal. Um, oh, we'd love to have you come and, and eat that meal with us. Uh, it, is, it is absolutely a free thing. You can come and sit down and grab some food. Um, it is designed to be quick because we want to get to our business meeting. If you are a member, we need you to stay. Um, uh, it's important. We need, a, we need at least half our membership here to do business. So uh, we want to encourage you to stay. If you're not a member, you can sign up on that list and you are welcome to stay and hear the vision and some of the things that are coming for this next year. Um, but, uh, but you just aren't allowed to vote on those kind of things. Um, and so we want to just encourage you to be a part of it, though. Let's, let's talk. Let's eat. Um, let's get to know each other better. Um, and let's get ready for the next part of this service. If you are planning on going to the mission, on the missions trip, and you have not grabbed a form yet, grab a form. They're due next Sunday, okay? We need you to get the form. We need you to get it filled out. We need a $300 deposit. El Salvador in August. I'm so excited about it. It's gonna be a great trip, um, uh, but we need you to take care of those things. If you do not have it in by next Sunday, there is a very small likelihood that you could go right? Like it's just, they're going to buy plane tickets. Um, and once plane tickets are bought, especially if we have to buy as many of them as we think we're going to have to buy, they might not be able to buy a second run. Okay. So you need, if you are hoping to go, get it done. Got it. All right. Jesus, you're good. I thank you for these men and women in the Bible that we can look at and learn lessons from even today. God, I ask that you stir in our hearts areas where we need to grow to be more like you. God, for those who need repentance, we pray that, that they not be too proud. God, for those that need wholeness, we pray that you bring healing. God, for those who don't know you, we just pray that Holy Spirit, you draw them to yourself. What a great day it will be when we're in heaven with you. But we can't get there on our own. It requires you. Lead us, guide us, speak to us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody.